Welcome to Heart of a Shepherd, a podcast from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Now, here's Trinity's Rick Adams, Angela Ekstrin, and Pastor Carl Leyenbauer. Welcome back, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt. In the podcast room with uh, Pastor Carl Landbauer. Hi, Rick. And Angela Axman. Hello, Rick. It is great to be here with both of you. And it's also great to be here with all of you, too. Thank you for joining us again in the heart. I was going to say heart of a... Sh- yeah, it is heart of a shepherd. I was going to I thought I was about to say stories that Jesus told. Uh, that's last summer. Yes, heart of a shepherd. And we are still in Luke 5. This time we're picking it up at verse 12 couple more healings that we're going to be looking at today. It's been a great run up to this moment because as we've looked at how Jesus is launching his earthly ministry, it's not at all ambiguous that he has authority. It is clear. And he's using that authority to rebuke fevers and cast out demons and cause boatloads of fish to jump into (laughs) nets and uses that to call his first four disciples. And so we're just going to pick up then at verse 12. Pastor Carl, why don't you lead us in with uh, a word of introduction? Yeah, Uh, well, let's just dive in here. So, while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus." And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. (laughs) NIV has remarkable, extraordinary remarkable. Um, It's... um, I was reading how in the Greek it's um, paradox. The word is paradoxa, which is where we get our word paradox, which is 
hard to explain. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, we have seen things today that are hard to explain. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so I was doing a little reading about um, when Jesus directs this man to go show himself to the priest. He's, first of all, Luke, again, as the physician, is giving us the condition. He says he's covered with leprosy. Mm. So this isn't leprosy in its initial stages where it might be harder to recognize. It can be easily covered. Mm. This guy would have been head to toe with lesions and, and everything else. So he's covered with leprosy. And then he gives this, I think it's a wonderful prayer. It mm. makes, it makes it's, to, reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. Because he says, Lord, if you are willing, in other words, if it would be your will, not, but not your will, not my will, yours be done, right? Uh-huh. It's all implied in those words. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I know you can do this. I have complete faith that you possess the ability to heal me. And then Jesus says, yep, you're healed. I am willing. Be clean. So there's that authority again. Mm-hmm. Now, does it say that in the NIV it, it says this, and I'm sure it says it in the uh, ESV too, he touched the man. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do that. Being, yeah. uh, being the authority that he is, he could have simply commanded this leprosy to leave him, just like he commanded the fever of Peter's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Why, do you, why did he touch him? Well, you wouldn't have wanted to do You wouldn't have wanted to do right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what was Jesus thinking? That's your question. <laughs> I think there's yeah. something else oh, going on. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That touch is a it's a humanizing. Yeah. It's a it's a saying you are not untouchable. You are yeah. not uh, the the nobody that you feel like you are. You have value and importance and I'm not afraid to to touch you. Yeah, it, to me, it, it almost harkens to Isaiah 53, where he took up our infirmities. Mm-hmm. He it, he should have been stricken with leprosy, mm-hmm. Jesus. But he's, in this yeah. moment, he's just... And it also, in kind of a roundabout way, it makes me think of God creating Adam. He gets down into the dirt. He touches. Mm-hmm. He's he's working with his hands. Yeah, We have a, crea- we have a very physical creative God. And Jesus is a very physical, creative healer here. He's touching mm-hmm. with his hands. Yeah, he actually did back in in Capernaum, too. He, yeah. When he healed everybody, sure. he laid hands on them. Yeah. And so there, there is that just that sense of just the, the touch of the healer. The, yeah. that, that Again, it's humanizing. It's a sense of um, it brings comfort. There, so my, my grandfather actually wrote a dissertation on the importance of touch in pastoral ministry. And so it's a kind of an item of, of interest to pay attention and just yeah. watch the details and how often Jesus, whether it's he laid the little his hands on the little children and blessed them, or it's with healings, so often touch is a part of how he communicates that a person is loved and has value. And then along with that then of course the healing comes as well. Sure. Well, and these it, these examples have all been visible things, visible ailments, d- diseases. But to us, um, a lot of times, which we, we don't run into leprosy much anymore, you know, too many diseases that you wouldn't want to touch somebody. But we could think of our, um, maybe our choices in life or our experiences where you don't feel good enough for God to love you. 
for Jesus to love you. Mm. And his, uh, his touching is a representation of the fact that there is nothing too dirty, whether it's something mm-hmm. you've done or something that's on you. Mm-hmm. Nothing's too dirty for me to say, well, I, I can't help you. Right. Or and nothing that's ever been done to you that also right. can sometimes create yeah. a barrier for people in their relationship with God. But mm-hmm. but there's nothing that can keep him from looking at you and and loving you. Mm-hmm. So it, what got me heading in a direction here in Leviticus is when Jesus says, "Go and show yourselves to the priests mm. and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing." And in Leviticus 14, that whole chapter kind of summarizes what you're supposed to do if you've been healed of leprosy. And I'm just going to read this because I find it fascinating. He says, first day, it's not a one-day thing. It's a week-long thing. First day, the man would need to show himself to the priest outside uh, the Israelite camp. This is a paraphrase of of what's in Leviticus. Make a brush from cedar cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop. Kill one clean bird, drain the blood, dip the brush, and a live bird in the blood. Be sprinkled by the priest with the blood-covered brush seven times, let the live bird go, shave all of his hair, and wash himself and his clothes in water. That's all day one. Mm. Day two, he has to live outside his home for the next six days. On the seventh day, he would have to shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows, and wash his clothes and himself in water. (laughs) Finally, on the eighth day, and there's that eighth day thing again, um, he would offer two male lambs, one ewe lamb, and a grain offering with oil, and then be considered consecrated by the priest through some of the blood and the oil. Wow. I think it's easier to stay a leper. <laughs> no, no wonder Jesus had to tell him to go and do the offerings, because yeah. you'd be real tempted to skip that. And then he right. says, don't tell anybody. But how could, how, even if the, the leper did obey that and didn't tell anybody, how many times do you think this priest would have had somebody come to him saying, I've been cured of leprosy. I mean, it was an incurable disease. It would have never happened. And so word was bound to get out that this, that this healing had occurred. And maybe it came from the leper, or maybe it came from somebody who had seen it happening, but word does get out. Yeah. Because if you look at the very next verse there in verse 15, yet news about him spread all, all the more. Yeah, that, that's true. The, the leprosy is a broad enough category of diseases that it's not just what we would define as leprosy that there might have been some people who healed of it but certainly nobody who was as bad off as this guy was that that, that's definitely a story that's going to get out and that might be part of why jesus charges him to tell no one just to try to to minimize the distraction minimize the number of people who are seeking him out to to see a show rather than to hear the word of god but it happens anyway and as a result, he has to withdraw again. We yeah. see it in verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Yeah. And that's that's a theme in Luke. We see Jesus disappearing to, to spend time in prayer. And I think we've said this before, but it's a good reminder, too. If Jesus needed that, then we need that. If, if Jesus needed quiet time in prayer with God, then where where is your quiet time in prayer with God? Mm-hmm. And something to build into your life. And really build around your life around more than anything else. If the Gospels had a soundtrack to it with like some music playing in the background, the ominous tones mm. would start at verse 17. 
mm-hmm. because it says one day as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. So they show up. They've been hearing reports about this rabble rouser and they want to come find out for themselves. And so you just kind of are getting the sense that some something tense is about to take place mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah, so this is the first time we hear of the Pharisees in right. Luke's gospel. If you're familiar with the gospels, you know they, they become the bad guys in a lot of different stories. Uh, and the reason for that is because they're a very strict sect of Judaism and are probably the closest to Jesus as far as their teaching. And so they're the ones who find Jesus to be so close but not quite. Right. <laughs> they find him to to cause some real problems with some of the things that they're confident of or believe are true, and we see it. Um Starting to play out here in this story, like you, like you were hinting at, with the ominous music. <laughs> I think it's interesting that they it points out, uh, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And it makes you think, did that come and go? Or, <laughs> you know, was it there sometime? Why? Why is it pointed out specifically that? That's a good question. That the power was with him. Yeah, that's that's intriguing. And I, I, I thought I know this going to come up, so I looked it up in a couple of different books. <laughs> One of them. Uh, just said, this is not to mean that the power is not intrinsic to Jesus, and then didn't comment anymore. And the other one just completely glossed over it. So the commentator is just ignoring it. This is what I make of it, though. I think we're meant to understand that even that this is this is kind of a, an example of when Jesus says that he does nothing apart from the will of his Father. Mm-hmm. I think that includes healing. And there maybe have been times when it was not the will of his Father that he healed the crowds. And so this was a moment when, in obedience to the will of his Father... He's he's healing. That's what I would make of it. But I don't I don't know how far to to read into that. Cer- certainly Jesus as the Son of God. That, that it's not like some days he checks the the gas tank and there's nothing in it for healing. So, you know? <laughs> a little low today. <laughs> I think that's a good explanation. What you just said. What what follows then? Okay, so the the crowd is there, and it, it makes me think back to a couple podcasts ago when. We had talked about how it would have been really nice for Jesus to just stay put in and amongst the crowds of people who loved him and wanted more from him. Mm-hmm. But he, at that time, said, no, I have to go and preach the good news. I have to go to other places. So here he is now, and he's he is in uh, a place where some people who don't have such a high opinion of him, to say the least, are there. And it, it's in the context of this, what's the, the healing of the paralytic, the man that's lowered through the roof. And this is a Bible story. It's an event that most people are very familiar with because it, it shows up in the Bible story books for mm-hmm. children. And it's it's kind of fun because it's visually appealing, right? The, these uh, Middle Eastern houses in the first century probably had thatch roofs. They would have been, It would have been easy to poke a hole in them. And maybe they already had uh, holes in them for the purpose of mm. lowering and raising food and dry goods and such like that. I don't, I don't know. But point is, this in this particular moment, this man is lowered through the roof by his friends, and a, a series of fascinating events follow. Uh, and I just want to call a couple of to your attention, Pastor, to get your opinion on it or your your take on it they're lowering this paralytic through the roof and in verse 20 
it says, when Jesus saw their faith, in the NIV, when Jesus saw their faith, their, meaning this man's friends, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So he goes from looking at the faith of the friends and then says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. How does he make that transfer from friends to paralytic? Or is it kind of speaking about in general? Yeah, I think, well, it's intriguing too because it's Jesus says your sins are forgiven instead of saying rise and walk. Yeah. Right? They probably didn't bring him and lower him through the roof thinking this guy needs forgiveness. Yeah. Unless, and this is a possibility, unless this is like, where the disciples see the blind man and are like, hey, who's the sinner right. that caused the blindness? Unless there's this assumption that that it was sin that led directly to the paralysis, otherwise that wouldn't have happened to him. In which case, then then maybe it would make more sense. Uh, but I, I think the, um, the thing to take away from this is, it fits very well in the heart of a shepherd, the way that, that God does answer the prayers for the ones that we love. And the the... It takes faith for them to bring him. It takes faith for them to go to these extra lengths to put him in front of Jesus. Clearly, they really believe Jesus can do something for this man who is their friend. And and that faith is rewarded. And uh, in the same way, it takes faith to step out of your comfort zone sure. in the conversation. It takes faith to look at somebody and say, in your own mind and heart, what this person needs is Jesus. Right. And that faith is is rewarded, right? Because God is going to be at work in and through you and also in and through other means beyond you. And so I, I think there's a good reminder there of that. I, I like that. And I also like how you tied it maybe to the false notions of that day that somehow connected paralysis or any other physical malady to some sin that they had committed yeah basically it's basically like a karma thing like you must get what you deserve and so <laughs> yeah you're so bad you maybe bad. by by forgiving the man's sins jesus is dispelling that myth saying his sins have nothing to do with this paralysis yeah it could could be or it could just be jesus is is going straight to the heart of what causes every sickness which is the fact that sin exists yeah and so he knows what the man really needs is forgiveness. It is, you know, we, we've been in Luke now for five chapters, and um, we've seen forgiveness of sins come up a little bit in the, the early chapters, talking about the mission that Jesus is a part of. But it's, it's often kind of uh, in the background of his, of his ministry during those three years. But here Jesus puts it right in the foreground, and almost in such a way as to provoke these Pharisees uh, so that he can then <laughs> sort of finish the job mm-hmm. and and show his power to deal with sin and with sickness. Yeah, I think he kind of had to say it that way. And we really don't, we don't get any indication of what those friends thought or what the man thought because mm-hmm. it goes straight to the scribes and the Pharisees and Jesus, Jesus perceived their thoughts of the, yeah. the scribes mm-hmm. and the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And that's what... That's what he's addressing because we also don't we don't get an indication that the that the Pharisees wondered why didn't you make him walk? Like he says mm-hmm. that right away. He says, "Man, your sins are forgiven you," right. which triggered them to mm-hmm. took their mind off the yeah. whole walking thing. They're not even focused on well, the walking, yeah. the paralysis. They're straight to you are forgiving somebody's sins and you're not God. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it, it's interesting because um, I think the Pharisees should have been considering the implications of Jesus's words more. It would have perhaps led them to other conclusions other than blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it makes me think of like what Dr., the late, great Dr. John Celesco would call a sin against better knowledge. They, this was on purpose. They're, they're totally ignoring on purpose the fact of Jesus's miracles up to that point. Mm. And they, they just have a preconceived notion of who the Messiah is supposed to be and who it and Jesus can't be it for that for those reasons. But don't you I've always been a little bit puzzled at Jesus's question in verse 22. It's almost it's not almost as if it is true that he is kind of shocked and outraged at the conclusion that they come to. Why are you thinking blasphemy here? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's he's not giving them any room to uh, it's not like Jesus is saying, look, guys, I, I know this is hard for you to get your head around. So he's, but he says, I don't understand why, you're, why you can possibly come to any other conclusion than I am the Messiah. <clears throat> you remember how, like, at the, in the road to Emmaus, when he, he says, why are you so slow to, to mm-hmm. believe these things? He's shocked and a little bit amazed at the fact that they're so slow in understanding these things. And another time, I think in Mark, Six, Jesus tells his disciples, or no, he's telling the Pharisees there, why are you so dull? Mm-hmm. Right? And there's just this honest-to-goodness shock on Jesus' part that there's any pushback whatsoever to who he is. Mm. I just find that kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah, there, there's... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I sympathize with the Pharisees because they're right that nobody can forgive sins but God alone. And they're looking at a human being. Yeah. And it goes back to something you said in the previous podcast, that once you accept the incarnation, everything else Jesus does makes sense. Right. But if you don't accept that, if you don't, if you don't believe that that's God there in that man, yeah. you're going to come to conclusions like the Pharisees do. And I, I think probably the, the bigger issue is that they've got, they're getting their hearts hardened yeah. against Jesus. Yeah. And at the, so Jesus is, it's not that, not that you can't, not that you couldn't intellectually have this question. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? It's the fact that they've been they've been gearing themselves up to reject Jesus. Yeah, and it's just going to get worse and worse, harder and harder, until the point where they're ready to to kill him. Yeah, which, and then to actually execute on that plan. Well, and on a simpler level, you can't you can't see somebody's sins forgiven. Right. Yeah. But you can see somebody that couldn't walk yeah. get up and walk. That's the brilliance of the yeah. way, the order the, in which Jesus order. does things. Yeah. What's easier to say? Anybody yeah. can say your sins are forgiven, and you would never know because it's an invisible thing. Anybody could say it, and yeah. yet he's the only one who could, could do actually it. Actually, do it. And and by taking the man's paralysis away, he was proving that the sins that are the other one could well. be. Yeah. It's actually the the easy thing was to heal the man of his paralysis. That was the easy thing. The hard thing is the forgiveness of sins, which is based on what he hasn't even done yet on the cross. The forgiveness of sins is is basically a promise of what will happen on the cross. Mm-hmm. With that much certainty. Yeah, there's there's an irony there because which is easier? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, which is easier to execute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's infinitely yeah. more difficult to forgive. Sins. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this kind of, this brought, always brings up something for me that I just struggle with because 
they're they're right. Only God can forgive sins, and their issue was believing that Jesus was the Son mm. of God. It's always bothered me in our liturgy that the pastor, mm. not you personally, but any pastor, <laughs> you know, will say. Um, by the authority, I have a called and ordained pastor of the church and the authority given to me, I declare to you, or I mm. I forgive you your sins. Well, Carl Landbauer is not forgiving my sins. Mm. And it bothers me that, why does the church, that, that feels like a, an unnecessary setup or a, a hang up that to phrase it that way, because you could say, I, I, want, I want you to know that God has forgiven your sins or that you, you are forgiven, but it's not. They say it in such a way that it makes it sound like it's you forgiving the sins. Yeah. I mean, we don't say by the authority given to me. That's, that's like a wedding kind of a phrase. But okay. uh, we, I would say, uh, as a cold servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you. And I'll still say I forgive you. And, and the reason for that is Matthew 16, Matthew 18, and then... Um, in in John 20, and I'm going to read the John 20 passage where Jesus says to the disciples, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Which is Jesus giving not just to the 12, but to the church, this authority to forgive sins. And, and so uh, Jesus is going to execute that authority through his church, through the community of believers, and the church then says, we're going to call a pastor who's going to be the one whose job it is to actually do that. And uh, so, so yeah, it is It is actually, I mean, it's a weird phrasing, and, and I can understand why it feels weird to, like, something we can just kind of trip over, so why is it there? Mm-hmm. But I will, I will testify that it is very powerful, especially in an individual confession kind of setting, when somebody admits out loud a sin that they've maybe carried or kept hidden for years, and then for me to be able to look them in the eyes and say... I forgive you all your sins as a Colnardian servant of Christ. Like I'm here as his representative with his authority. I forgive you. And that that's that's powerful. It's freeing. And so and it's a little bit more freeing than just telling the story of Christ died so your sins are forgiven. So uh, it, it, at the seminary they'll they'll talk about this as kind of the difference between um, <laughs> if I tell Katie, you know, like you're loved versus I love you are two different things. I need to say, I love you. And God says that in this first person way in what's called the absolution, which is what you're talking about. So, so yeah, so there's a biblical backdrop for it. And, and there is, there's situations where it really does seem to be like the remedy that is needed for somebody who's carrying a lot of guilt. Uh, but, but yeah, same stumbling block, human being. Yep. And what, and what you raised, Angela, is often asked by a lot of people mm-hmm. so it's good that you articulated it yeah i think so all right uh well i'm going to end this podcast kind of the way we started our opening comment was that the the last verse in this section is we've seen remarkable things today mm-hmm. and uh, i think that anytime we open god's word we're opening ourselves up to remarkable things mm-hmm. and so thank you for all all for joining us today we pray that this this podcast these podcasts are serving you and are a blessing to you in your own individual walk through the scriptures. And we invite you back here again next time in the Heart of a Shepherd podcast. Until then, on behalf of Pastor Carl and Angela, 
May God bless your day and the time ahead until we meet again.